listen, we want to be a responsive people, right? We want to be all in. Like Smudge said, you know, sometimes we can feel tired, right? Weeks can tire us out, but we find strength in God. We find a restoration, a new bit of energy when we get into his presence, right? Um, so we want to just be an all-in, pressed-in, kind of leaning-in type of people. Is that okay? Fantastic. Listen, um, if you are watching online, a massive welcome, as I said. Um, you're so, I'd love it, because you're so part of it here with us right now. And listen, as I speak, I pray that these words go through, and, and actually together, um, God will move here and where you're watching from also. Um, we are in the middle of this series, the House of Prayer series. Everyone enjoying it? It's great, isn't it? I love it. I love it. And Pastor Andy currently today is in uh, Taunton. He's sharing the word. Pastor Stu is up in Hemel Hempstead sharing the word. Like we're sending people out everywhere. There are, it's great, isn't it? It's fantastic that we've got um, leaders in the house here that are, are being drawn to all parts of, um, you know, the UK and stuff to share. Isn't that fantastic? I love that. I love that. I think God's doing something in our house here that people want something of it. And I think there's more to come. Anyone believing there's more to come? Come on, let's not just settle for, this is all right. Let's settle for, no, God, take me to the mountaintop. Let me see your glory. Let me sit in your presence and see your glory. Come on, that should be our desire and our zeal. But so week one, I'm just going to quickly recap, just because I think it's really important, because Pastor Andy and Pastor Gina just laid such a fantastic foundation on prayer. You know, when Pastor Gina shares, I always love it. I always love it. She's so practical. She goes for us, and it's always so good. Some of the best preachers I've ever heard, Pastor Gina. For those who were at men's uh, many years ago, do you remember the one she shared on uh, the, the priesthood, men being the priesthood? Do you remember that? That was so good. That was so, so good. And obviously for the women, you didn't get to hear it because you shouldn't have been there, but it was so good um, and I'll never forget that preach but she unveiled or, or, or packed the first part of this message for us in what is prayer and I thought it was so good just how to approach God you know no, no he's good because I think that's really important isn't it because sometimes you can go to God thinking oh is he gonna no no he's good so when you approach him we should approach him knowing he's good right that's a fantastic thing. having faith simple things isn't it we say it all the time have faith but like it's so good to make sure you're applying faith to what you're doing forgiveness, come thankful, pray about everything. I love that as well. Pray about everything. God's really interested in every part of your life, right? He's not like, don't bother me with that. Don't bother me with those things, please. He's not that kind of dad, you know, the sometimes natural dads that we used to have when you want, oh, dad, can dad, 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 my son does it. Dad, 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 dad. I'm like, ah! It's like, not now. No, no, he's not like that. He's got, he's got the ability, he, you know, I'm natural. He's supernatural. He, he can listen to all of us and everything at the same time. And he can be patient with us. Unlike me sometimes with my son when he's screaming, monster trucks, dad, I want to watch monster trucks. I want to watch monster trucks. I'm like, oh, God is good. <laughs> he gives me grace in that situation all the time. Yeah, that's it, Richard. But listen, also she unpacked that brilliant thing about it being a two-way communication. Because sometimes we get lost in that, don't we? That we pray to God, but we forget that actually he wants to speak back to us. And that's such an important part of it. And then Pastor Andy last week, he, he kind of unpacked the, the Lord's Prayer in such a beautiful way. And just kind of, in a really breakdown, easy way to understand, showed us how to approach God in that prayer. Through identity, knowing who we are, adoration, um, his kingdom come, praying for needs, praying for others, and then thanking God for his protection. I love that. I thought it was so, you can apply all of that. Everything that we've learned so far is not a, let's leave that here and now we're going on to something next. What we're doing now is building on. 
So we've had these great foundational truths, and what we're going to look at now is kind of building on them. And today, I think it's going to be a little bit more practical, probably going to get you to go home, and there's going to be things I want you to go away and do. Is that right? Homework. I hated that in school. Uh, never did it. Um, but don't do that. Don't listen to me. Please go away and do what I'm going to ask you to do. That would be great. Um, but listen, I'm going to start by reading a uh, scripture that is kind of the scripture over what this series is. And it's found in Matthew 21, verse 13. And it says this, Jesus, um, Jesus actually come into a situation in his temple where it's, uh, it's kicking off. People are like, just turned it into a business center, selling stuff, and it's got a bit corrupt. And people are like, it's just not what the house of God should have been. And he goes in and he says, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer but you are making it a den of robbers. Everyone familiar with that, right? Where he goes in, he starts smashing. It's Jesus like gone rogue almost. And it's like, whoa, what's Jesus having to Jesus? He's kicking off, why? Because passion for his house consumed him. That's what it goes on to say. The, the, The disciples remembered passion for his house would consume the Messiah. He loved the house, why? Because it was his father's house. And people were turning it into a place of selling, a place of mockery. Yet it was meant to be a place where people came and prayed to the king of kings and saw deliverance and freedom. Yet people took their eyes off heaven and started selling things and started turning it into a place of business. Do you know what I love about when he says my house? Because actually, he's actually quoting an Old Testament scripture that we'll look at in a minute. Because I was blessed when I read the Old Testament scripture just this week because I thought, wow, it looks like our house, our house here. And I'll read it just in a sec. But listen, when he says in Matthew 21, 13, my house, he is speaking about a physical place. He is speaking about a temple, a house, a place where people meet. But do you know what the word also actually means? It means a people. It means a person a clan of people, a group of people. So it doesn't just mean this house is a house of prayer. It means more than that. See, Paul said to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 6.19, you individually are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, which got me thinking, actually, yes, this is the house of prayer, but you are the house of prayer. You carry the house of prayer. Where you go, you walk in your seven-day-a-week walking. You carry the house of prayer. Isn't that great? That this isn't a place just like Old Testament where you go to the temple to do temple prayer. The house of prayer goes with you. And then when we turn up here together, we are the house of prayer. And when you go to your workplace, what turns up? The house of prayer. When you go into situations that are hard, when you go into schools and circumstances, what goes in? The house of prayer goes in with you. Come on. I got excited when I thought this. Come on, God. This isn't just a momentary one day a week thing where I go into the house of prayer. The house of prayer is more than that. It's every day with God. See, um, what Jesus was quoting from when he said, it's written, my house will be a house of prayer, was Isaiah 56. And God was actually um, in, this, in this moment through the prophet Isaiah, like 700 uh, years before Christ, he was prophesying salvation to all nations and speaking about salvation coming to all nations. And he says this in verse 7, this I will bring to my holy mountain. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my my altar. Who's he talking about? People outside of the Jewish nation. He's speaking about all nations would be able to come and experience this. And he says, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Listen, church, look around yourself. There is 
a lot of nations represented in this room here today. God's fulfilling this prophecy right before our very eyes, that we are standing in the place of God's house of prayer for all nations. Isn't that fantastic? As I read that, I was like, God, you're doing it. You know, this is such a multinational place. Isn't that fantastic? I love that. When I read that, I thought, I'm excited because, God, your prophecies are speaking even now. 2,700 years ago, you spoke this, yet you saw our church right there. And you saw us in Portsmouth as a nation, a people of all nations coming together, saying, we're here, Lord, the house of prayer. God's got this. God's got everything. God can see the end from the beginning, and he ain't afraid. Amen? So listen, we're going to talk today about a concept of personal prayer. So we understand that we are people of prayer. We are, you know, some get it, some don't. I get it. I understand, you know, you call a prayer meeting, you might get three people there. That's the way it is, isn't it? Because not everyone has a revelation of what prayer is. But my prayer today is that we would get such a revelation that when you leave here, you wouldn't be able to stop. That you'd say, no, God, I realize I need to be more. I need to be pushing in more. So Matthew, five, uh, Matthew 6, 5 to 9. Matthew 6, last week, uh, Pastor Andy shared about the, the Lord's Prayer. And we're actually going to read the verses just before the Lord's Prayer where Jesus unveils or gives us kind of a picture of what or how this personal prayer should look. Because yes, there's a moment when we do corporate prayer, but that's something later, someone else is going to teach that in a few weeks. And I don't want to really go down that road. There's a place for corporate prayer. Everyone believe that, right? You know, our prayer meeting this morning, I felt God move. There was a place for that, a place to see God move as a, as a corporate body. But what I want to go into today is just you and God. You in your personal walk with God. And uh, Matthew 6, it says this, starting at verse 5. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I love that. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father, your your father, it says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. I love that, that your father knows what you need before you ask him. And you know what, this week I'm, I'm, I'm just in my own personal walk anyway, just reading Ezekiel at the moment. And there's this moment in Ezekiel. Um, we'll go there in verse 36 I'll see if I can quickly go there because I love it verse 36 it won't come up up on the screen sorry because I just thought of it just a minute ago verse 36 if you've got your Bible you can turn it there Ezekiel 36 to 37 there we go and it says this this is a moment where if you've read Ezekiel it's a bit of a mad book there's loads of crazy stuff happening in it but it's fantastic it's one of those books that you get really gripped by and like oh I'm really into what's going on like oh, I want to know what's happening next I want to know something next one of those ones and and actually in this moment God has spoken about the judgment the exile and all the stuff that's going to go wrong and because of their disobedience because of their constant ignoring of God their constant disobedience towards um, the kingdom But then there's this restoration moment onwards from like 35 onwards. There's all this message of restoration that's going to happen to the children of Israel. And this is what it says. God lays out this kind of plan of restoration. And then in verse 37 of chapter 36, it says this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am ready to hear Israel's prayers for these blessings. And I am ready to grant them their requests. I love that. 
Because what he's saying is, these are all the blessings that I'm going to do. Now I'm ready to hear them pray for it. I'm ready to hear them pray for it. And then when I hear them pray for it, I'm ready to give them their requests. But will he move unless they pray? I don't know, because the Bible says that he's ready now to, he's told them all the blessings that are ahead. He's told them all the things that he wants to do to restore them, to give them back a home, to give them all these incredible things. But he says, I'm now ready to hear them pray for it. And I'm like, wow, God, not only do I, you know, am I praying for those things? Do I know what you've got ahead for me? Am I starting, because we know in the Bible that righteousness is ours. We should be thanking him for that. Start thanking him for the blessings that are ahead. Start declaring them as though they are, even though we don't see them. Because what happens is God's ready to request them according to his will. But unless we lift up our prayers and ask for them, is God going to do it? I love that, that God was, he had them. Like, a, like I, I thought of myself at Christmas with my kids. You know, you can give your kids presents and just give it to them. But isn't it something beautiful when your kid is, de- you know, for those that are parents, you're a child, if you're a child, you're the opposite end. You're the one, I want this, I want this, I want this. When a child wants something, they let you know. And you know in your heart you want to get that for them. But there's something beautiful about that period. You've got that. You've got it for them. You know they want it, but they ask for it. There's something so beautiful about that. But what would there be if you're just giving it? Giving it. They're not even wanting it. Giving it. Giving it. God's not like that. He wants to hear our heart. Do you want it, church? Do you want it? Talk to him. Tell him you want it. Because you know what will happen? Requests will come in. He'll start to open up the doors of heaven. And you will see things like you never saw before. According to his will. Amen? I love that. But it goes on to say, like I said, don't be like the hypocrites and all these things. And Jesus talks about these hypocrites, and I think it's really important that we aren't like them. You know, those hypocrites, the word for it is hypocritus, I think. And it it literally means someone who puts a, a pretend mask on and pretends to be something they're not. These guys were praying in the streets as if they were holy and sounding great. Why? Because they wanted men to go, wow, you're so holy. Wow, you're so great. And what were they getting? They were getting outward applause. But inside, they were dead. There was nothing of them. Were they really worshipping God? No. They were just wanting to be seen. Jesus said, don't be like that. Don't just be like hypocrites who look like they're serving God on the outside, but inside, you ain't following them at all. Let's get our lives right with God. Babbling, that's a classic word. I love that. Stop babbling. I used to say it all the time as a kid. Stop babbling, you're babbling. And the reality is we can with God. We can just say words we think he wants us to hear. But actually, are we saying it from here? Are we actually meaning what we're saying? Are we just saying words? Because that's what they were doing in the, in, in, on the street corners, just shouting words, random words, thinking that if they just shout healing, 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 he, and, and, and all these things, that, that, it would have, that there was no connection with the one they were praying to. I don't want to be that church. I want to be someone who's so connected that when I'm speaking to God, it isn't on the street corner in a public place and I go home and I'm someone different. I want to go into that quiet place like Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to the Father. And I love that because he says you'll find him in that unseen place, the seek, I call it the secret place. And it's an okay secret because it's the secret place where God will come in. And you'll have one-to-one time with, a, with the Father that will just give you all the attention you need. And you'll feel so blessed. And I just want to look at that now, that, that, the, how that looks. Because I want to encourage you to leave today and find a secret place with him. Because when you do your life, honestly, sometimes life can look like a struggle. Sometimes life can look like a mountain that you have to get over. 
But I'm telling you, if you're able to find the secret place with God, those mountains will be crushed. Things will start to move. Faith will start to rise up. But when you're in the place where you're looking up, it seems too much. Trust me, one moment in his presence will cause everything else to fall. One moment with him and you'll never be the same again. But it ain't in here. We can do anything in here and we can praise him. It can't just be in here, can it? We need to find him in our secret place. And so this is my first point that I just want to share. And I've got three of these points that I think will be practical that hopefully that will be able to encourage you. Is be personal in the private. Be personal in the private part of where you are with him in life. God doesn't want you to perform, like I said, like some performance prayer, which you can easily do in a room full of people. Sound good. Sound like you know what you're talking about. But really, deep down, you're so far from him and you're not really because you're not personal with him in the private. You make it sound good out here, but in there, it's like closed doors, no thank you. Personal prayers may feel awkward for you. They may feel awkward, like being real with God. Like men, I know men, like we just, just get on with things, don't we? Yeah, it's all right. But sometimes with God, you've got to get your sensitive side out a little bit. Be real with him. Let him know what's going on in your heart. Why? Because he sees what's going on in your heart and he wants you to talk to him about it so that he can lift you up, give you the things you need to shift off those things. You know, you can be fine in a room full of Christians. I, I, the picture I get is like, room full of Christians and God's over there. Yeah, yeah, we're together. Then everyone leaves and it's like that awkward moment where you and a stranger don't really know each other, but with all your other mates around, it's all right. And then everyone leaves and you're just stood there with them like, uh, all right. And it's an awkward silence. That's what it can be like with God in your private life if you don't spend time with him. And the reason why that's hard to then want to do it is because you're not putting time in to do it. So relationships are built how? Communication, spending time, constant talking, constant um, going through things with each other. You know, ex things, experiences where you, God came through for me there. That's how you build relationship in normal lives. Friendships are built because of common union. You get on with things. You may go kayaking. You do things together. There's experiences and you go, we did that. I took some of the guys. We climbed um, some kind of hill somewhere, which was ridiculously long and, and it took ages but it was great but you know what there was a, a, there was a moment where we were, were bonded and we experienced this moment where we, we achieved something do you know God wants to do that with you in the private he wants to take you somewhere on a journey where you're able to say that was me and God he did it with Moses he took him to the cliff of the rock for seven days he came down he came down he was shining because of what God did in him the glory of God was manifesting on his life why because in that place something happens but are we getting in there? Genuine relationships are open, honest, and heartfelt. So we need to come into that place with a thankfulness, with a, with a claiming of the righteousness we have. Start thanking him for the peace, the freedom, the joy. Not in front of people, just in your quiet place. Worship him. Spend time in his word. Ask him to show you what things mean in there. Talk to him. Say sorry. This is what genuine relationships do. Sorry if I hurt someone, Lord. I forgive that person who also hurt me, Lord. This is how it should be in that personal place where we get over ourselves and we put time in to want to know him. Amen? Philippians, there's a few couple of scriptures that just encourage me when I think. The, the most famous and always shared one is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And I shared it even back in August. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. That can't just be a Sunday. That's got to be Monday morning, Monday lunchtime, Monday mid-morning for me, Monday lunchtime, Monday Monday. It's, it's got to be a constant because unless God's in it with me, I'm struggling and I need to know he's there. And I need to know he's there as I'm walking down the street. I need to know he's there when I wake up and I'm in my quiet place, in my bedtime routine. I need to know. I give it to him. I don't want to be anxious, Lord. I give this to you. Like I said, I don't want to carry that stuff. I throw it at your cross and I walk and pick up my cross and follow him. It's a very real part of my life. But also, listen, 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have, uh, that we have when we have asked of him. I love that. We're approaching, like Gina said, Pastor Gina, a good, good father. That when we come to him, we're asking him. This isn't like asking a natural person. This is asking your heavenly father according to his will. How do we know his will? Romans 12. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It goes on in Romans 12, 1, 12, 2. It says that do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It goes on to then say, then you'll be able to understand what is his perfect, pleasing will. How do we know God's will? By reading his word. How? By spending time with him. And then when we spend time with him, we're able to pray or pray according to that will. And then we're able to see his blessings come forward. But unless we're putting time in, all we're doing is religion hypocritical street corner praying without any heartfelt measure with God. I don't want to be there. I want to be found in my quiet place. And do you know the funny thing with a quiet place? Once you find it, you don't want to leave it. So you kind of don't want to go out of it. And you're like, I just want to be here with you, God. But sometimes he has to usher you. Come on, you do need to go to work. You do need to do these things. You do need to go to sleep. You know what I mean? But you just once you're there, once you find it, you don't want to lose it. Matthew 7, 11 says this. If you then... You are evil, which we are as human beings is what they're saying. If you then, though are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I love that. He hears us when we pray. And he is able to respond. Why? Because he knows what he's got for you. He knows what you need. He just wants you to talk to him about the needs that you have so that he can come in and say, I've got that for you. I've got that for you. I've got that for you. And he'll release it in your life. Come on, anyone seen God's hand in, in life where he's just come through? He's just broken off things. And you're like, God, that could not have been me. You came through in such a way. So that's the first thing we need to do. Church, this isn't about a religion. This is about getting personal with God. Let him know how you're feeling. I'm hurting, Lord. I'm hurting. I feel weighed down. I feel burdened. He wants to hear that. He doesn't want you to pretend that all things are good. Yeah, classic men. How are you? All right, walk off. Are you all right? All right. It's just like we say it, don't we? How are you? All right? All right, all right, all right, all right. Everyone just says it, all right. It's like, are you all right? No, I'm breaking here. Like, okay, be real then. Be real with God. You don't, 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 don't walk out of here and just start confessing everything to everyone. There's a place to be real and it's with God. Or a, a, a person that you feel is going to, don't just start going out telling everyone every issue under the sun. That don't help you either. Be real with the Lord. Amen. The second thing is this, consistent and persistent. Both of those things need to be seen. And sometimes I thought that consistent is persistent, is it? But as I started looking at it, listen, persistence is the ability to function in spite of difficult circumstances. To be consistent is being regular. 
unchanging in one's performance. So you can be consistent in life, just keep turning up. But I think this, persistence has a bit of a different posture. Persistence is almost like, yeah, I'm turning up, but I ain't leaving until I get what I need. I'm pushing in. I'm not going to leave until you do what you said you're going to do. See, I can turn up and say, hey, God, how you doing? Yeah, great. I'm consistent every day. I do that every day. Hey, God, how you doing? Yeah, cool. Oh, oh, good. Just stick your head in and leave. Or be persistent where you get in and on your knees and you fall in his presence. And you do not leave until you get what you need. There's both things needed. You need to be consistent in your persistence. You need to turn up day in, day out, and you need to be persistent every time in, him, in your relationship with him. One of the most famous bits that I love, a parable that Jesus shared about a persistent widow. Everyone will be familiar with this, I'm sure. And it found in Luke 8, 18, verses 1 to 8, it says this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared that people, what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. That's persistence. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for the chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And that's the important part. Because if we don't have faith, we ain't turning up. If we don't have faith, we ain't being persistent. Why? Because it's the faith in us that stirs. Why? Because when you know that he's able to answer your prayers, trust me, faith arises. There's no answer outside of it. You're going to get on your knees and you're going to find him. See, when Jesus turns up in this world, I can't make all of you be in faith. But I know for myself, I want to be found on my knees in faith. I want to be found in my quiet place where I'm pushing in with a consistent, persistent, Posture. Amen? Paul also encourages it to the Thessalonian church when he says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love that because when I used to first it, I think pray continually. That's mad. How do you do that? Thank you, G. You can't go to work today. I've got to pray. Like, like, and me being quite literal, I think I, I, I thought that's what it actually said. I probably did do that. Sorry, boss, I've got to quit. Um, but the reality is, it doesn't mean that. This is the beautiful part of the journey we do with God. I took a, a, from a commentary, the Expository's Bible commentary, which is a really good uh, a commentary, writes this about it. Continually, this is what it means. It does, well, this is what it doesn't, it does not mean stop praying, uh, not non-stop praying. So it doesn't mean just constant prayer. Rather, it implies constantly recurring prayer, growing out of a, set, uh, of a settled attitude of dependence on God. Whether words are uttered or not, lifting the heart to God while one is occupied with miscellaneous duties is the vital thing. And I think, wow, that's staying in constant connection with God. Where, yes, you've got to leave your quiet place where you're getting personal with God, but you don't leave God there. He's now going with you. He's going with you in the miscellaneous stuff that you have to do, the admin stuff that you have to do, the cleaning, the bits and pieces that we have to do in life. He's there with you. 
and that constant connection is never broken. So we welcome him into it. We talk to him in it. We keep, keep, keep being relational continually in that situation. Do you know what? There's a, a book, book by Brother Lawrence, which is called Practicing the Presence of God. And it, I'm not going to go into it now, but if you want to a book on how to practice the presence of God, please go and get that one. It is fantastic. And it's a monk. He's a monk who understood that in every situation he found himself in, whether washing the potatoes, cleaning things in this ministry, God was there with him. And he had an opportunity to commune with him and talk with him and be present with him. See, we're not doing this just for a moment. God's with us in our seven day a week. He walks with us. He communes with us. He sees the things we get up to. And he wants you to walk in righteousness. Amen. But he doesn't want to just switch off. Sometimes we do that, don't we? We put off God in one season and put on something else and pretend we're something else. And then we put on God when we turn up to church. I don't want to be like that. I want my life to be so one with God that where I go, he goes. You know, what I'm doing, he's doing it with me. Um, and, and I really encourage that, that we need a consistent persistence in our prayer life. Amen. Now, this is the one that I love on all of those because power in the public is my third point. Power in the public. There's a couple of characters in the Bible that I think we can learn, very quickly learn about how they had so much power when they entered into the public realm. Joseph, we all know uh, the story of Joseph. Um, if you don't, it's, uh, it's found in Genesis, uh, well, Genesis 39 is where we're going to be reading. Prior to that, you can read the story of what happened to Joseph. But Joseph was an incredible young man that had an ability to hear from God through dreams. And he had a connection with God that was uh, beautiful. When you read it, you're like, I want that. I want that connection that you had. But he, he didn't have a good life. He knew God, but he didn't have a good life. Hold on, isn't God good? Yeah, 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 he's good. And God is always good, but it doesn't mean circumstances are always going to be good. Sometimes we have to go through pits of hell, but God is with us. Amen. And Joseph in this moment is uh, in, in Genesis 39, and we're going to read from verse 7. He, he's in a horrible situation where he's been made like the head of, of this guy's kind of guard and stuff. And he's a, he's a prominent man of Egypt. And, and Joseph is like prospering, even in the midst of the chaos that he's found himself in. And then comes Potiphar, who's the guy he's serving. His wife enters in and is trying to tempt Joseph into a relationship with him that's not of God. And in verse 7, it reads this. And about this time, Potiphar's wife began to desire him and invited him to sleep with her. I mean, that's terrible, isn't it? Picture this. Let's say it's not. It's the world pulling at you. The world can come over here and do this. Come over here and do this. Come over here and do this. Come on, we've all heard those voices before. But I love what Joseph is responding with. He says this in verse 8. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in this entire household. He's got such a beautiful heart, a faithful heart, that he doesn't, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want that thing that you're offering him. And what I love most is, is in verse 9 when we read this. It says this. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back his master, he's talking about, has held nothing from him except you because you are his wife. How could I ever do such a wicked thing? How? Um, yeah, it would be a great sin against God. I love that. Who would it be a sin against God? Why? Because in the quiet place of Joseph's life, he knew God. 
He had a relationship that was so strong. He thought, I can't do this. Forget Potiphar. This is against God. The one who I'm journeying with, the one who's kept me, the one who I love, the one who loves me. How could I sin against him? And you know what? He's thrown into, back into prison because of such a situation. Unjustice. Injustice, should I say. And it's unjust. And the situation goes back into hell again. He's looking at things. He's locked up. It's horrible. It's a situation that doesn't look good. But you know what? What God's doing in that quiet place is manifesting in the public place. Because in verse, we see in chapters 40 and chapters 41, he's able to interpret dreams. He's able to manifest the understanding of certain dreams that are given. And you know what? I don't know how well he'd do that unless how well he was getting on in the secret place. If he wasn't pressing in in that secret place, would that power manifest in the public place? I don't know if it would. But he's able to interpret these dreams for these guys that have been locked up. And, and then, do you know what's mad about it? They leave and forget about him. They're able to be set free. One gets killed, but the other gets free and forgets all about him. But then comes this moment, pinnacle moment, where Pharaoh needs a dream interpreted. And then he remembers. And Joseph's called forward and he interprets the dream. And then he's made second in command of the whole of Egypt. Can that power that came out in that public place really manifest if there's nothing going on between you and God in the private place? I really don't think it would. I really don't think it would. Can your heart stand up to so much hell on earth if you aren't strong in the private place of your life? I don't think you can. I think you give up. When we look at so many characters in the Bible, looking at Daniel, and time's not going to give us or allow us, but just to go over Daniel, Daniel was an incredible young man of God. And, and, and actually, he was able to in, understand things that no one else was able to understand. He was a master at his trade of being wise in his day. Incredible. And listen, in Daniel 6.10... I think it gives us the picture of why he was so incredible in the public place. And it says this, now that Daniel learned that the decree had been published, there was a moment where um, basically Darius the king was going to say, no one is to pray to God except uh, to pray to him. Daniel being Daniel was like, nah, you're all right. And we read this in Daniel 6.10. Now Daniel learned that the decree had been published. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, give thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Some versions say, just as he had always done since his youth, since he was young. He had understood the power of the quiet place, the power of the secret place, the personal place with God, where you're able to say, God, I need you. God, I'm feeling this. And do you know what manifested in Daniel's life? The ability to do incredible things. He was able to interpret dreams, understand writings on walls, understand dreams even though the king wouldn't tell him what the dream was. So he had to go to his secret place and acquire of God, who then God revealed it in the secret place, and he went to the public place and said, this is what God is showing you, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he reveals a dream. Come on, unless Daniel's getting into that secret place, you ain't getting nothing in the public place. You ain't getting no power in the public place. But you know what the reality is? So many of us come on Sundays because we want to see the power of God. So many of us want to see the power of God in our workplaces. I'm believing God's going to... 
But are you personal in the private place? Have you been in his presence that morning seeking him? Have you been on your knees before him, repenting and saying, God, use me for your kingdom's purposes? Because unless we're in that place, we ain't seeing nothing in the public place. But I promise you, when you're consistent in that public, in that private place, you're going to see power manifest. You're going to see the ability to talk to people like you never did before. You're going to see the gifts of the Spirit flowing out of you like you never did before. You're going to see a manifestation of the Spirit. Why? Because he said that what's done in the unseen, he will reward in the open. What's done in the unseen, the secret place, he sees. And he says he will openly reward you in front of people. But yet the hypocrites want open reward without any secret place. It's power when you go into the secret place. But you know what the hypocrites are? A form of religion without the power. A form of religion without the power. And why I don't want to be found in this generation, church, being a form of religion without its power. I want to see a manifestation of his spirit in my own life. Anyone else with me on that? Come on, and we can only do that if we're going to will, be willing to leave this place and say, actually, I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to find that time. And we can say, I don't have time. Listen, we've all got time. We've all got time. I don't even know where I am in my notes. I don't. I genuinely don't. I'm being honest here. I'm lost. It's all good. Listen, don't worry about it. It's good. We need to find time. There's some practical things that we can do as we leave this place. You can look at your calendar. You can look at your life. Do you know some of the things that I do? I get up super, super early because I know that I can and there's time there where no one is. And I find time to be with him. Maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's finding that place where you know, sitting on the beach, talking to him with your Bible open. Maybe it's going to a place uh, in a country park or somewhere close to you in a park where you can walk with him. Because that's what he wants to do with you, church. He wants to walk with you. The Bible says about Enoch that he walked with God and then God took him. I love that. God loved him so much that he took him. Where he is, I don't know, and I do not have any biblical reference to where he is either. I think he's with God still, chilling. And that's cool. But you know what? He walked with God and he had a relationship with God. When you look in the Bible, what's the common indicators? Abraham. Jacob, they walked with God and then God did public things incredible in their life. David, found in the shepherd's field, looking after sheep. In the private place of his life, he learned how to worship God. And what happened in the public place? He was one of the greatest kings that Israel's ever seen. Come on, don't tell me that what's done in the private place isn't going to be honored in the public place. It is. Are we ready for that? I really believe that, church, this week, we need to find that time. Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Can I have the keys? Oh, cool. Look at that. He was there. I was like, he was there already. But listen, we need to find that place. We need to be open and honest with God. We need to be real with God. And we need to be fervent in our prayers where we're not giving up, but we're seeking him, sometimes just to spend time with him. I love those times when it's not a prayer list. God, I've got all of this stuff. It's simply this. God, I don't know. I just, I'm just here with you. I'm just here and it's just me and you and I'll be quiet talk to me Lord talk to me and then comes that small voice you are my son and an encouragement that builds up and I start realizing I don't have to be afraid God is with me come on does anyone want that 
I want that so badly for you, but I can't force you to do it. But my encouragement is take time to do it this week. Find the secret place of your life. Amen. Come on, let's just bow our heads in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank you for your presence. That, Lord, what's done in that quiet place of my own life, Lord, let it manifest in this place. Let relationships with you start to blossom in this place, Lord, I pray. That hearts right now would burn with passion to see you. May they hunger and thirst after righteousness because, Lord, you will fill them, feed them, and provide everything you need, they need for, you, for them, Lord. Come on, in this, in this moment, just if you have never come into a relationship with Jesus, Jesus was the greatest at this. He spent time in his Father. He would often go to the mountaintop. He would often disappear from the crowds and he would spend time in a quiet place so that in the public place, a manifestation of power. See, he did it himself. There's an importance in it. But you know what? Jesus went to that rugged cross and he gave his life so that we could have the same walk that he had on earth, that we could walk as he did with the same power, the same authority, but more importantly, that we would be saved from all, for all eternity. And maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've heard of religion. You've heard of the church on the street corner that throws incense and stuff like that. You've seen all of that, that's cool. But you've never known Jesus to be a personal savior. The Bible says that those that believe in him shall be saved. That when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord, you will be saved. Set free, delivered, made whole. And that happens in a moment, in an instant, when you put your faith in him. And so listen, just in this last moment, I'm gonna pray and then I'm just gonna ask for anyone to respond that needs to. So you can repeat and church, just join in with this as well. And if you're online and, and, and you're hearing this and you, you need to make a commitment, you do that. Dear Heavenly Father, that's it church, just repeat that. I come to you today and ask you for forgiveness. I turn from my old way of living and I turn to you, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I receive salvation. I receive your spirit. I receive all of the things you have for me. Old things gone new things arrive in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you've prayed that for the first time, you're coming back to God, just in this moment as all eyes are closed, can you do me a favor? If, if you meant this with all your heart and you're like, I need this, I need this relationship with Jesus, can you just raise your hand if there's anyone here today that needs to make a commitment, that needs to come back to knowing him? Thank you, Jesus. That's great. Father, I just thank you. Thank you, Father, that you've done great things in us and we are ready for all that you're about to do this week. Lord, help us to find our secret place. Help us to stay there and be consistent, Lord. And Father, we pray that the power that is seen would manifest, Lord, from that place. That great things would happen in our work this week, in our situations, in our circumstances, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. Well, praise Jesus. Thank you, church.